It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everybody, and welcome to North Star Sports. I'm your host, Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Be sure to check out our website at NorthStarsports.media. And welcome into the show, everyone. We have a fantastic one for you here on this Wednesday, March 3rd, as we look to preview UFC 259 Blahovich versus Adesanya. Uh, great to be back with you guys here doing the preview show. A little earlier than we normally do, but, you know, I, they, they say better late than never, but, you know, better early than late. So, uh, you know, if we've been doing some previews literally the hour before the fucking show begins, I think that's a little bit too late. Uh, so we'll try to find a happy medium here, you know, we want this content to be digested properly. There's nothing worse than indigestion. So, you know, we're putting this out on a, on a Wednesday, and, uh, you know, Hopefully that works out for us. We'll see how it goes. Bold strategy. But, uh, you know, the mailman's got a busy schedule, you know, when he's not delivering hot sports takes or, you know, being a male model or, you know, calling uh, uh, high school games, you know, there's there's uh, a lot of stuff. So uh, we're getting it out of the way early. And uh, it is a huge card uh, in, in importance and also in quantity. Uh, we have 15 fights on this card, three championship fights. So, I mean, this this really could be one of the biggest pay-per-views of the year. Tough to say. Tough to say. I'm surprised. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, schedules are a tricky thing to work out, believe me. But, uh, you know, because normally it's the International Fight Week pay-per-view in July and then the final pay-per-view in December that are the two biggest ones of the year. So it's kind of crazy to see them, you know, just stacking the card here in March. But, you know... You got to strike when the iron's hot, and if that's when they can get, you know, everybody on the card, all these champs, uh, you know, I'm down for it. I'm down. I love it. And history is on the side of this card because really, I would say like the top three pay-per-view cards of like the last decade, they're pretty much all pay-per-views that have three title fights. I mean, honestly, some of my favorite pay-per-views ever are, are the ones with three titles and uh, I don't I don't know what it is I guess more eyeballs people just bring it but you know 217 is probably my favorite uh, card ever I went back and rewatched it uh, last week man and you know hey that's probably a bad harbinger for uh, this 259 because every single champion lost their belt but you had GSP coming back against Bisping you had the Cody TJ rivalry uh, you had Joanna and uh, Thug Rose you know, so these, uh, what, what are some other ones? 205, obviously, I think that was the, f- that might have been the first pay-per-view ever that had three title fights on it, uh, but that one was good, too. That had uh, Wonder Boy and uh, Woodley, Alvarez, and McGregor, obviously, first uh, card ever at Madison Square Gardens. Uh, Square Gardens or Square Garden? I don't think there's an S. Either way, don't care. I'm not from New York, but, uh, you know, again, this should be a great one. Uh, you know, obviously we have uh, NSS 31 on Saturday. Uh, I still got to figure out the undercard and the co-main, but obviously the, the main event is going to be Reagan Hooverman uh, trying to get a title defense against me. 
Uh, I think I'll probably beat Reagan fairly easily, but I mean, you never know. I, I probably just jinxed myself by saying that, but uh, you know, so I, I guess, I mean, I don't know. There's not really a clear cut number one contender outside of me. I mean, obviously Drew just had the belt, but who do we put Drew up against? I mean, I don't, I don't know. Jordan took like 70 weeks off from the game and then got knocked out. So that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Captain just lost. Steve is on a historic losing streak. I mean, (laughs) like there's nobody to put him up against. So fuck, I don't know. Drew might be going up against one of the squirrels for all I know. I mean, (laughs) I don't know who he goes up against, but uh, maybe Peyton because he just won the invitational. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, I don't have too too much news there on the uh, main card showdown front. So with that, we'll get right into this preview of UFC 259, and as always, we'll go from the uh, early prelims all the way up to the main event, and we'll start here with the early prelim opener. It's going to be a bantamweight fight between Trevin, five-star Jones, and Mario Batista. Jones is 12-6, and six, Batista is 8-1. and one. Uh, We'll take a look at the odds, uh, these coming from Odds Shark. And they're going to have Mario Batista as the minus 250 favorite. Now, they they say that's a featherweight fight, so that is interesting. Tapology normally doesn't lead me astray. And I'm looking here at the UFC website. They say it is a bantamweight fight, so I don't know. Maybe uh, Odds Shark knows something that I don't know, but uh, I believe this is a bantamweight fight. And, uh, you know interesting fight here uh mario batista that was the guy who i think on i think it was very late notice fought uh cory sandhagen he obviously he obviously uh you know lost that fight pretty quickly with uh, an arm bar but he's racked up two wins since then uh in the ufc including a win over miles john and uh i don't know miles miles johns for some reason was like the face of the uh contender series uh i, I still think he's a very good prospect i don't believe he's fought since then and that was over a year ago maybe maybe he's came he, he had a comeback but um so that that's a pretty big win there for uh, mario and trevin jones it's kind of funny that he's the underdog here because uh he was the heavy heavy underdog in his ufc debut against timor valiev and uh got his ass beat for uh about six minutes and then uh flipped it on Valiev and then finished him. One of one of the more impressive performances from the year 2020. Uh, but it shows up as a big fat gray no contest on his record because I believe believe he failed a drug test. So he's still looking for his first win in the UFC. But you know what? I don't know what the drug test was for. I want to say it was marijuana, but I'm just speculating here. I don't have anything in front of me. Um, but you know, I'm gonna say that was a win for Trevin Jones. We all know what happened. You know what I mean? So. In my mind, Trevin Jones has a win in the UFC, but of course my opinion doesn't fucking matter because, you know, I don't work for the UFC or any athletic commission. So, uh, unfortunately, it's it's going to be a no contest. But, you know, that that's interesting because, um, I don't know, maybe he can start a trend like uh, Kama Worthy did uh, before he uh, ran into, was it Atman Azaitar and then lost? Um, but but either way, you know, I, I kind of like those those cool stories. I mean, his record is not very good. Um, I mean, it's not bad, but you know, a lot of lot of lot of wins, a lot of losses. So it's kind of cool seeing those underdogs, you know, somehow make it to the UFC with uh, imperfect records and then kind of, you know, defy expectations. As for how this fight plays out, I mean, fuck, I have no idea. I don't, you know, <laughs> I know the name Mario Batista. I I I know I've seen him fight. 
don't don't really have anything uh, in the old scouting book for that one. Trevin Jones, we know he's tough. Uh, I'm gonna go with Trevin Jones on, on this one. Not not really for any profound reason, like I said, but uh, you know he's got blonde hair that looks pretty cool, and uh, yeah, that's about it. He's also from shoot, where is he from? He's from Guam. He's from Guam. So he he must be the first UFC fighter from Guam. I don't I don't think we've ever had somebody from there. So you know what I mean? It's cool. He can represent his country. I guess I don't even know if Guam's a country. Don't doesn't the U.S. own Guam? I have no fucking idea, but either way, either way, I guess people get really good about Hawaiian pride, so I, I guess there's more of a sense of independence um, for stuff like that, so, <coughs> excuse me, but yeah, we'll go Trevin Jones, I don't want to draw that out any longer than, than I have to. Uh, moving on, we have a lightweight bout here between Uros Medic and Elon Cruz, uh, the battle of two contender series alum. Medic is a perfect 6-0. Elon Cruz is 8-3. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, we have uh, Medic as the minus 170 favorite. Solid nickname. Solid. Solid Eastern European uh, name there for, uh, for Medic. Um, let me see here. Yeah, two guys who fought on the Contender Series. Medic, uh, he's 27. Uh, he has... Uh, Let's see. He's only ever been to the second round once, so uh, he he likes to finish fights. Um, but sometimes sometimes that can work against you because obviously, uh, you know that's a perfect night at the office when you don't have to go to uh, a judge's decision. Um, but you don't you don't really rack up the minutes in the octagon, so that's a little bit uh, a little bit concerning because sometimes that bubble can pop. Not to, not to say that he's not a legitimate prospect, but you know sometimes. Sometimes it's better to come up the Kamaru Usman route where, you know, you're going 15 minutes or 25 minutes every single time you're out there. I mean, you're really racking up the live experience. And then obviously you see how he's kind of flipped on uh, a switch there and now can finish fights. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Uh, Cruz, he has uh, made his actual UFC debut against uh, Spike Carlisle, who recently got cut, uh, I want to say a couple of weeks ago. Uh, cut from cut from the UFC, not cut with a, a knife or cut on a on a you know a jujitsu mat, but uh, yeah, and that was a that was a particularly bad TKO. I don't yeah I don't think he was out, but that was pretty bad. And um, you know that was with uh, he was, I, I believe he was trying to shoot for a takedown, and then uh, Carlisle was just spamming him with elbows. Um, I thought they were legal elbows, but they were pretty fucking close. <laughs> they were pretty close. You know, like, uh, to score a touchdown, the ball, the tip of the ball just has to touch the white line. Uh, and and with this, I, I think the elbow uh, was right on that white line between the side of the head and, and the back of the head. So, you know, I think we have to call those elbows legal, but, you know, boy, they were, they were pretty fucking close. So, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to go with Medic on this one again I could be wrong uh because uh well you know with my luck and and uh you know with his luck the the bubble's gonna pop when I pick him but uh yeah we'll, we'll go uh medic Alrighty, here we'll move on to a women's straw weight actually just a straw weight fight I guess there's not really men's straw weight unless you're in uh one FC or or some of those uh Asian uh MMA organizations uh, but we'll have a fight here between Lavinia Souza 
and Amanda Lemos Souza is 14 and 2. Lemos is 8 1 and 1. Uh, I will try my best to find the odds for this one. This is, this is just completely out of order. Uh, Lemos is actually going to be the minus 225 favorite. So that is a little that's a little interesting. Uh, just at first glance, I probably would have uh, picked uh, Souza. I wonder why they're so high on uh, Lemos. Uh, they have uh, Souza ranked at number 15. I'll very quickly pull up the North Star Sports rankings. Uh, I believe we have her ranked as well, but you never know. Yep, we have her at 15 as well. So, um, <coughs> one of those people that's really benefited from the uh, you know mass exodus of 115ers up to 125. Uh, so you know, straw weight is is very very shallow. It is very shallow because uh, not a lot of fighters moving down from 125, but a whole lot of fighters moving up from 115. You know, uh, Calvillo and uh, uh, I don't think Jennifer Maya ever fought at 115. Grasso fought at, at 115. Um, yeah, there's just a there's a, a big list of fighters who have gone up. So uh, perhaps doesn't. Well, I mean, you deserve to be ranked there. Obviously, there's a fucking pecking order, so she deserves to be ranked there. But, you know, in regular times, might not be ranked. Um, interesting, too, because, you know, they're both Brazilian and they both have uh, pretty impressive records. Honestly, you know, 14 and 2, you don't really you don't really see that a lot in uh, female MMA. Now, obviously, a lot of that came on the regional scene. You know, she's not fucking, you know, 11 and 1 in the UFC or whatever. So uh, that is that is interesting that they go with uh, Limos on that one. Um Souza, she lost to Brianna Van Buren, which that's a pretty bad loss right there. Uh, went over Sarah Froda and uh, Ashley Yoder. Um, she's only 29, 5'3", so probably average size there for a straw weight. And uh, with, with Lemos, she's going to be four years older, uh, but uh, has uh, a win over Mizuki Inoue and Miranda Granger, and then a loss in her debut to Leslie Smith. Actually been in the UFC since... Uh, July 2017, uh, but just had a, a long streak of inactivity there. Um, boy, that's tough. You know, I'm going to disagree with this one again. I'm going to go with the underdog. I think I'm going to go with uh, Souza. I think she's the more uh, active fighter when you look at a you know a three-year window, and uh, I just think that she's. I mean, n- neither of these two fighters have taken on uh, particularly uh, strenuous. Uh, or, or difficult competition uh, in the UFC. Both of these fighters are probably their their, their own toughest fights. Uh, but I'm gonna go with Souza on this one. You know, I'm just feeling I'm feeling the underdog, and we'll get to that later on in the show. But I am I'm feeling the underdog. All right, we'll move on here to another prelim bout. I believe it's still an early prelim bout. Uh, between welterweights Sean Brady and Jake Matthews, Brady is 13 and 0. Matthews is 17 and 4. We'll look at the odds here, and they are going to have Sean Brady as the minus 225 favorite. This is going to be a great one. I I cannot wait for this. Two very very underrated fighters. Jake Matthews very underrated. He's been in the UFC for a long time. Uh, he's still relatively young. I want to say he's 20... Holy shit, he's only 26. Jesus. Uh, he's been in the UFC... When did he make his debut? Holy shit, 2014. Good God. So he's kind of grown up in the UFC. Uh, he's on a bit of a hot streak. Uh, he's got three consecutive unanimous decision victories. 
over uh, Rostam Ackman, uh, Emil Meek, and Diego Sanchez. Uh, so, you know, he's really figuring it out, and he's on the doorstep of being ranked. Uh, fuck, we actually might have him ranked because I think some fighters fell out at, at welterweight. Uh, let me check here. Yeah, we have, him, we have him ranked at 15. So Jake Matthew... Nope, we got to put an S there. He's not Jake Matthews. Jake Matthews. Uh, but either way, the uh, the Aussie, uh, he is... Uh, yeah, he's ranked at 15. Holy smokes. You know, some of these guys just sneak up on you at welterweight. Like, we have Muslim Salikov at 14. We had Bilal Muhammad ranked, like, fucking six months ago. Um, so, yeah, some of these guys really, really sneak up on you. So, uh, huge fight for, uh, for Sean Brady. And uh, this is a really big welterweight. I have no idea how this guy makes uh, welterweight. He, he, he looks like a, a cruiserweight. He, he looks like a, a hybrid between a light heavyweight and a middleweight uh, in, in the octagon. Uh, he is a big boy. He's a big boy. And, um, well, he's, he's undefeated and undefeated in, in the UFC. And uh, he's got a handful of really nice wins here. A, a win in his debut over Court McGee. That's a pretty, that's a pretty tough one for your UFC debut. A win over uh, Ishmael Nardiev. Uh, I believe that's the uh, Austrian Wonder Boy. And then uh, a win over uh, Christian Aguilera. Um, I, I am gonna go with Brady. I don't want to count out Matthews because that's uh, that's that's a criminally underrated uh, fighter. But I really think. Uh, you know, not a lot of people know who Matthews is. Uh, I would have to imagine less people know who Sean Brady is, but I think people will know who Brady is uh, very soon. I think this is one of the guys to watch uh, at welterweight, and uh, yeah, the, the, this guy is uh, this guy's the real deal. All right, we'll move on here to a light heavyweight fight between Carlos Alberg and Kennedy. Good God, Kennedy. Enzechukwu, Enzechukwu. We'll call him Kennedy. I, I'm just I'm not good at pronouncing Nigerian names, but uh, yeah, Kennedy. So Carlos, Carlos versus Kennedy here at uh, at 205. Olberg uh, is going to be the minus 240 favorite. That's interesting. Um, I do not like seeing people come into the UFC with a three and record. Uh, I like that they put this guy in the contender series. I think that's a, a fairly good litmus test. But man, I, I just fucking hate it. And apparently, this guy's a super athlete. Uh, I, I don't doubt it. Uh, he is 30. He's 6'4, 77 inch reach. Um, so, you know, and, and he trains down there in uh, New Zealand with those, uh, those boys over at uh, City Kickboxing. But I just, man, I just don't like it, man. Because a lot of times you only get one shot in the UFC. Uh, I mean, you always can come back, but maybe maybe it's better to say a lot of the times you only get one serious chance in the UFC, and I just fucking I hate I hate to see this guy go two and two, and then his record's dog shit, and and you know we got to send him back to the to the C leagues. So I just I, I don't like seeing it, but all things considered, I like the matchup because Kennedy, you know, Kennedy only has eight MMA fights, so it's not like you're putting him in there against fucking John Volante or somebody who just has, you know, 30 fights and, you know, 20 of them are in the UFC or some shit. You're not throwing them in there against OSP. But, uh, yeah, I, I really don't like seeing it. Uh, you know, the last time we saw something like this, we saw Jacob Malkoon, 
who was a training partner of Robert Whitaker, and he got knocked out in 18 seconds by Phil Hayes. So, again, I get these are different people in slightly different scenarios, but I just, I don't like having training partners of people, you know, come into the UFC before they're ready and, uh, you know, bad shit happening. Um, but, uh, I don't know, maybe, you know, hey, maybe, maybe he is the, the real deal here. Uh, Kennedy, he, who did he lose to? He lost to Paul Craig, but he came back and beat Darko Stosic. Hmm... I believe that was a fight with a bunch of cheap shots. I want to see that on uh, MMA Decisions. Because I want to say... Who... I want to say Stoshitz won that fight. But... He had like two or three cheap shots and had some points deducted. Let's see here. Yeah, a low blow in rounds two and rounds three, which must have meant there there was one in round one that they didn't dock a point. So he was actually docked two points. Now, Stosich... 29-27. Okay. So it looks like Kennedy might have won the fight, even if the two points hadn't been... Uh, hadn't been deducted. It would have been a split decision because one of the scorecards, it w- would have been a... Uh, a clean sweep for uh, Stosic, but um, looking at them, every every media member scored it 28-27 for Kennedy. So according to the media, uh, Stosic would have won that fight. Uh, that was back on the Covington versus Lawler fight card. Uh, it was refed by uh, Gary Copeland, who I believe is the guy who uh, is five foot six and two hundred and thirty five pounds and just looks like a jacked uh, fucking guy who works at a deli like a guy who works at uh, Von Hansen's but uh, that's a that's a good reference there for uh, all you Minnesota folk out there unless unless Von Hansen's is, is a chain which I, I don't think it is but uh, reminds me I gotta go buy some uh, beef jerky there from uh, Von Hansen's and you know if they want to sponsor the show I would love to be sponsored by Von Hansen's I mean you know fantastic products and if they don't then you know I don't know I might not speak so glowingly about uh, Von Hansen's, but I digress. <coughs> ah, excuse me. Boy, I really hope that's not allergies. That would fucking suck. Um, but yeah, you know, ah, it's he is the minus two forty favorite. He is the young guy. There's a lot of upside there. I don't, I don't think Kennedy is like a special fighter. I could be wrong. Maybe he climbs the rankings. Maybe you know, maybe he does something, but. I've never seen anything super special from Kennedy with respect to, you know, the potential for him to to grow as a fighter, obviously. But I'll go, you know, I I could be very wrong on this, but I'm just going to side with the potential here and go with Carlos Alberg. All right, we're moving on here to a flyweight fight between Tim Elliott and Jordan Espinoza. Elliott is 16-11-1, Espinoza is 15-8. Uh, we'll take a look here. Espinosa is going to be the minus 130 favorite. Tim Elliott is going to be even money. Uh, let us see here. Uh, we'll pull up the North Star Sports rankings. I want to say they're both ranked because flyweight is a dog shit division. Uh, Espinosa is not ranked, so we must have pulled him from the rankings. And Elliott is number 12. Number 12. Um, 
I think this will be a good fight. Espinosa's probably fighting for his job here, if I gotta be honest. He's starting to rack up the, uh, the L's. And you don't want to rack up the L's. He's lost uh, three of his last four. His only win in that uh, series was over the Bumblebee Mark De La Rosa. Uh, probably the man with the worst nickname in all of professional sports. Honestly, <clears throat> if I was a fighter, I would rather my nickname be Shithead than Bumblebee. Like, oh man, I would rather I would rather my nickname be anything other than Bumblebee. I would rather it just be some fucking random object from my room. Like, uh, I would rather... I'm looking at my floor right now. I would rather my nickname be Overturned Coffee Mug than be the fucking Bumblebee. The Bumblebee. Why not Why not just be called the, the, the Flower Petal? Why, why not just be called... Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I, I don't... I always have to mention that whenever I see his name because... Oh, the Bumblebee. Man, not even the bee. If it was just the bee, I mean, okay, I guess bees sting. But the bumblebee, you mean that fuzzy little fucking gumdrop that flies through the sky? Like, oh, man. <laughs> but, yeah, Jordan Espinoza, probably probably fighting for his job here. Uh, Elliot, I mean, shit, he might be fighting for his job as well. Uh, he, he's also, he's also uh, not doing so hot these uh, handful of, uh, last handful of fights. He's lost uh, three of his last four and five of his last eight. Uh, hey, he also has a win over Mark De La Rosa, so, you know what I mean? He just kind of always inserts himself into the flyweight discussion. But, uh, yeah, he had, a, he had a win over Ryan Benoit, and he had a good performance against Brandon Royval, too, but he just gassed out, which is crazy because he's a, he's a flyweight. So I don't know what Tim Elliott we're going to get. I, I am going to pick Tim Elliott because, again, I don't think tremendously highly about Espinosa. He is going to have a fairly significant reach advantage here of three and a half inches. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I, you know, maybe he dials himself in. I, I guess that's what we're hoping for. You know, just a little more conservative with the gas tank. You don't have to go out there and try to 10-8 Espinosa in round one. But I just think Elliot's the, the, the better fighter. And I like what I've seen from him. I just need to see uh, more of it and more of it consistently. And I thought Elliot was a little bit older than he was. He's only 34, which is right on the edge of falling off at flyweight. But I, I feel a lot better. I, I would have figured he was like 36, which would have, you know, given me a little bit more pause. But, uh, you know, I think Tim, Tim Elliot probably wins via uh, unanimous decision here. All right, we're, we're moving on here. I believe this is now on the regular prelims. So it's the regular prelim opener. It's going to be another flyweight bout here between Kai Kara France and Hajerio Bonterine. France is, or Kara France is uh, 21 and 9. Bonterine is 16 and 2. Uh, we'll take a look here at the odds. I'm curious to see what they say here. Kara uh, France is going to be the minus 145 favorite. Um, yeah, pretty pretty evenly matched fight here. We'll take a quick peek at the rankings. Kara uh, France is going to be the number seven flyweight, Bonterine at number eight. So stellar matchmaking here from the UFC. And uh, yeah, I don't know. This this is a tough one to pick. I mean, they're they're very similar in in a lot of respects. Slight reach advantage uh, for Kara France. 
no nickname for Bontarine, so we still got to come up with, with one for him. So hopefully he has a good performance because the nickname's probably going to come from his performance. And, uh, boy, you just, you, you just hope he doesn't get knocked out or something. But Care uh, of France, his nickname is Don't Blink. Not a, not a great nickname. Not a great nickname, i got to be honest. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. This one, uh, this one is a little little difficult to decipher. We'll go to the uh, the stats here. Uh, yeah, Bontarine's uh, stats, not not so good, not so good. He lands 1.7 significant strikes per minute, and he absorbs 4.1, 4.1. So that is quite the gap, quite the gap. 38% defense on significant strikes, so... Okay, he likes to take a lot of a lot of punches to the side of the head. That's that's uh, probably not going to bode well for him here. Uh, you know, just because of that, I'm going to go with Kara France. Uh, he's, he's lost two of his last three, including uh, his most recent loss to Royval. But the other loss to was the other loss was to uh, Brandon Moreno. So uh, you know, he's really only faltered in the UFC to people at the at the highest level. He too also has a win over Mark De La Rosa. So. Boy, everybody's just beating old, old Marky D there. And, uh, yeah, Bontarine, impressive record. Uh, he does have a habit of missing weight. I believe he's missed weight twice. Maybe it was only once. Uh, so that, that is a little bit of a, a concern. But, uh, yeah, we'll go we'll go Kai Kara France in this one by uh, unanimous decision because I do not predict flyweight fights to be finished. Alrighty here, we'll move on for our third consecutive flyweight fight. It's going to be between Joseph Benavidez and Askar Askarov Benavidez, 28-7, and 7, Askarov 13-0-1. Oh, uh, we'll take a look at the odds here. They're going to have Askarov. Wow, Askarov is the minus 140 favorite. That's a little interesting. I, could, I can see why, but I would slightly disagree. Uh, we have Benavides at number two, Askarov at three. I believe that's in lockstep with the UFC's rankings. Uh, yeah, this this is probably the most interesting. Actually, shit, I lied. I lied before I even said it because I looked at the whole card. Uh, this is the second most interesting fight on the prelims. Uh, surprisingly, a lot at stake here because for Askar Askarov. Um, you know, I know people before the first Moreno fight were talking about, well, you know, is that potentially Figueredo's next opponent? Uh, do we do we just slide in Askarov? I mean, he he's not been he has not been in the UFC for you know too long, but you know, a win over Pantoja, a win over Elliot, he did have that split decision with Brandon Moreno. Uh, you know, this this guy really with a win over Joseph Benavidez, what's at stake for him is probably uh, a title shot. Obviously, we have to get through Figueredo versus uh, Moreno, too. There's always the looming threat of Garbrandt getting the title shot, but I don't know. I, I'm honestly not too sure about that one. Uh, and, uh, you know, Benavidez is, is going to retire. He'll never get another shot at the title. That's a fucking guarantee. They would never give him title shot number five. So a lot at stake here for Askarov, and this is a fucking tough one for Askarov. And then at the same time, there's a lot at stake for Benavidez, because I would almost guarantee this is this is his retirement fight. He basically said as much when he lost on Fight Island to Figueredo. I don't believe he's confirmed that since then, but he said he didn't want to go out on a loss. So he's never gonna he's never gonna work his way back into the title picture. 
And so really all there is to do is to get one final win and just go out with a, a dub. So I, it is my opinion that this is the last fight for Benavidez. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot at stake for him because, you know, if he loses again, does he have the motivation to come back and, and try to go out on a W and then you kind of go down a weird stretch where it's like we've seen a lot of fighters try to go out on a W and it doesn't go great you know what I mean because they come back and then they lose and then they come back and they lose and then they're slipping down the rankings and you know they're, they're losing their abilities because they're getting older and older and older and it's just ah, I just need that one final win now obviously I don't think Benavides is at that point yet uh, because I still think he's a very high level fighter although he is very old for flyweight that is that is true um but, you know, surprisingly, a lot, a lot at stake here. I'm actually going to go with Joseph Benavidez. You know, this is probably the best fighter in UFC history to never win a belt. I, I really believe that when you look at what he's done in the UFC. Now, the best fighter ever to not win a belt in the UFC that has competed in the UFC, so not like a Fedor or something, is probably Overeem. The most accomplished fighter outside of the UFC to come into the UFC and never win a belt is Overeem. Uh, but... In my opinion, the most accomplished fighter within the UFC to never win a belt is Joey B. And, uh, you know, shit, he, I, I, I still think he's a dog, man. I, I think Figueredo kind of punked him in those two fights. I just think the sport, at the highest level, the sport probably has passed Benavidez by. So that's why this is an interesting fight, because Askarov, he, he, he really does seem to be the real deal. I've always been impressed with with his performances, uh, you know. So in that respect, I've been the opposite of uh, of uh, George Saint Pierre. Uh, you know, you just got to root for a guy like Joey B. Seems like a a, a great guy. Uh, you know, we we definitely root for Americans over Russians. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I, Joey B. You know, he's got to be he's got to be waving the stars and sh- and stripes after he uh, after he hopefully knocks out Askar Askarov, but. Shit. Anytime you see an Eastern European and or, you know, Russian, Upper Middle East, any of the stands, whenever you see somebody with a Z or a V in their name, or if their name is basically repeated twice, like Askar Askarov, you just know that they're a tough son of a bitch. You just, you don't ever want to mess with somebody whose name is fucking <laughs> the same as, as their first name. So, um,. I'm going to say it's probably unanimous decision. It is three rounds. You know, I don't think Benavidez knocks him out, but it'll be interesting because I I really think not that he not that he's ever not done this, you know, especially the last two fights. But I really think Benavidez just goes balls to the fucking walls because he knows it's his last performance. Very well-rounded guy. I did get to see him in person uh, when he earned his title shot by uh, knocking out Jussier Formiga back at the infamous UFC Minneapolis card. Um, and that was pretty cool. Uh, you know, the stadium loved it. Well, arena, I guess, Target Center. But, uh, yeah, they loved it. That was that was pretty cool. Um, obviously, Formiga kind of fell off a fucking cliff after that. But, I, I you know, maybe it's wishful thinking, but I, I do think it's fair to say it's a pick em here. So the, the wishful thinking pushes me over the edge, and I am going to go with Benavidez on this one. All right, we're moving on here to a 135-pound affair. A lot of a lot of lighter weight fights on this card, certainly on the prelims. Uh, we're gonna have a fight here between Kyler Phillips and Yadong Song, or is it Song Yadong? 
See, they have Yedong Song here on Tapology, Song Yedong on the UFC website. I'm going to go with Song Yedong. Uh, I, I wish I understood Chinese culture and, and knew the first name, last name thing. We had to go through that with Wei Li Zhang or fuck, for all I know, it could be Zhang Wei Li at this point. I don't, I don't know. I'm not a man of culture, which is, you know, more of an indictment on me, but <coughs> excuse me. Um, but yeah, we'll go with Song Yidong. Um, should be another good fight between two very underrated uh, opponents. We do not have Kyler Phillips ranked. We do have Song Yidong ranked here at number 13. So a step up in competition for sure for uh, Kyler Phillips. Kyler the Matrix Phillips. So that's that's a pretty cool nickname. Uh, two taller guys here for 135. They're both 5'8". Uh, Phillips is going to have a 5-inch reach advantage, which is very significant, but with uh, Song Yidong's style, um, you know, we'll, we'll see how that advantage plays in because, you know, Song really tries to close the distance. So, you know, if uh, if Phillips has a good jab, then, you know, maybe he keeps a distance. But, you know, a lot of, I know a lot of people are kind of low on Song Yidong because he's had some, uh, some stinkers uh, recently. Uh, his record still looks pristine, but he his last two fights are a little bit iffy. So he had that draw against Cody Stamen. I know a lot of people disagreed with that. You know, we have MMA decisions pulled up. Let's let's look at let's look at what the uh, the folks the folk saw, thought about uh, that one. Um, yeah, Song Yudong. There we go. Okay, Cody Stamen. All right, we're really cooking with gas here. Okay. So, holy shit, yeah, a lot of people disagreed with that one. So, there was a point deduction against Song Yadong for kneeing a a downed opponent. Uh, Four members of the media scored it 30-26 for Stamen. Two had it 29-26 for Stamen. Four more had it 29-27 for Stamen. And then four had it 28-28 as a draw. Uh, Now, it was... Two of the actual judges scored it a draw, and then Saudi Amato had it 29-27, so, uh, yeah, so probably a loss there for uh, Song Yadong, and then uh, a lot of people thought he lost to uh, Marlon Vera, and I'd like to pull that one up if I could. Um, let's see, yeah, the majority, majority of people had it for Vera, probably two-thirds two-thirds had it for Vera, one-third did have it for uh, Yadong, so maybe that maybe that one's a little less egregious than the Cody Stamen one, so, you know, in some people's minds, you know, Song Yadong, he's 0-2 in his last two fights, so, um, he, he was thought of as kind of the future of the bantamweight division, he is only 23, uh, he, de- he does uh, train over there at Team Alpha Male, so you love that, I mean, you know, anytime anybody trains at one of those uh, highly recognizable gyms, uh, you know, I, I do think the future is is bright. I am going to pick him to beat Kyler Phillips. Uh, it looks like Kyler Phillips has um, looks like he's gotten a haircut. He doesn't have the um, the long flowing locks, or maybe they just maybe that's just his his photo from his fucking first day at the office because he looks real clean cut. I would hate to think he cut the, those gorgeous locks. You know, because maybe maybe his uh, MMA ability, you know, a lot of his power is is stored in those. In those, uh, in, in that head of lettuce, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go with Song Yedong on this one. I, I don't think that Phillips is a bad fighter. Uh, 
I, I liked his performance against Cameron Else. But again, you know, he really hasn't faced the level of competition that uh, Song Yidong has. So, you know, a lot of unknowns in this fight, but we'll go with the fighter from China. All right, we are now moving to the prelim headliner. It is the most interesting fight on the prelims. I almost I almost misspoke earlier and, and said that between Benavidez and Askarov, but it is between the former two-time bantamweight champion Dominic Cruz and Casey Kenny. Cruz is 22 and 3, Kenny 16, 2 and 1. Now, this is what fucking shocks me. Casey Kenny is the minus 140 favorite according to Odds Shark. I I'm going to say it right now, Dominic Cruz is the mailman's lock of the week. I, I can't go against Dominic Cruz. I know he got finished by Cejudo, but listen, there is a million miles between Henry Cejudo and where Casey Kenny is right now. I was a little perplexed by the matchmaking here when I first saw this fight announced. Whenever they announced it, shit, probably three months ago. They've, they've had this on the books for a while. Uh, I know a lot of people are mad at Casey Kenny for some comments that he made against Megan Anderson, so that's pretty funny that funny that they're on the same card. Uh, so, you know, Casey Kenny does not seem like uh, uh, an intelligent individual. I'm not going to comment on what he said, but, you know, it definitely doesn't seem like a, a guy who has... Uh, I sure hope he didn't go to college, but, uh, yeah, I couldn't think of anything more terrible than Casey Kenny on the fucking Sean O'Malley podcast. Dude, I'm telling you right now, if you listen to this show and you also are a fan of uh, Sean O'Malley's podcast, just please don't tune into my show. I don't want your fucking views. I don't want your money. I don't want anything from you. Just please, I don't want to be associated with you at all. Fucking Sean O'Malley. God, the human coloring book. Just the most insufferable personality. Uh probably in the entirety of, of uh, the MMA realm, and that's that's saying a lot, because we have fucking Tito Ortiz as a fucking not a congressman, but a council fucking person in Huntington Beach. I mean, we, there's a lot of listen, MMA really attracts you know, the scumbags and, and uh, odd personalities, but fuck me if Sean O'Malley I mean, look at fucking Israel Krinjasanya I mean, that guy Holy shit, I hope that guy loses so badly. I, that guy just bugs the shit out of me. But uh, I'm just a hater, though. I'm, I'm just a hater. So, you know what I mean? If you're, if you're against Israel Adesanya, you know what I mean? That dude is a true underdog, you know what I mean? People keep counting him out, even though he's, you know, always the minus 500 favorite in all of his fights, you know what I mean? And, and 95% of people pick him to win his fights, but... Man, he's a he's an underdog, man. He's the he's the new dog on the yard. So you better watch out for him cuz he just pissed all over this cage. He just pissed all over this cage. Probably sounded a lot more uh a lot more intimidating in his head when he said it. And uh kind of funny that uh you know that that initial call out for his UFC debut uh mentioned dogs because uh boy, Israel Adesanya has an interesting relationship with dogs, to say the least. To say the least, I would never want to get in trouble and and discuss Israel Adesanya's relationship with his dog. But, uh, boy, anybody who doesn't know what I'm talking about or alluding to, you probably should uh, go go to your search engine. I don't know what you have. Maybe you have Internet Explorer, or if, if that's a thing, or maybe you have Maybe you have Google or Bing, or if you're if you're a cool lad, you probably have DuckDuckGo. 
You know what I mean? If you're a cool person like me, but uh, go to your web browser and type in Israel Adesanya and uh, dog, or just go to Twitter and uh, you'll find some disturbing and I I kind of I kind of mean disturbing videos <laughs> between between the two. I'm not trying to make it seem like you know he's a fucking criminal or or you know I'm not trying to make it seem like you know whatever but a little bit disturbing <laughs> a little bit awkward maybe awkward is a better way to put it you know what i mean but a little bit of a awkward video there and that was videotaped so i would hate to know what his relationship i would hate to speculate and i would never i would never speculate what their relationship was when the cameras weren't on because i think that would be very irresponsible and i would be willing to sit here right now and personally disavow anybody who speculated what that relationship would be like when the cameras are off because we know that when the cameras are on people always act the same as if the cameras were off that's a well-studied thing in human psychology so you know people don't change their personality because of being on the cameras okay that's why the hot mic is is not a thing okay bill o'reilly doesn't exist you know what i mean that that lady from msnbc or cnn talking about the jeffrey epstein case whatever doesn't exist so hot mics are a figment of your imagination and if you think that relationship with izzy and his dog is anything other than wholesome then i disavow you and you should probably never even tune into this show ever again okay and that's the last i'm ever gonna talk about it okay now to get back onto the rails because holy shit we went down a fucking rabbit hole there where were we yeah dom cruz and casey kenny yeah i don't i don't get it i don't get it you know it, it's he lost to a very high level guy he lost to to triple c okay potentially c4 at some point uh but i don't know so now now because he loses to the champ he's he's not the favorite i don't know man he's he's still the dominator he's 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 still dom cruz you know, as long as, uh, what's his name, <laughs> Keith Peterson, as long as a referee who doesn't smell like cigarettes and alcohol, according to him, isn't reffing this fight, uh, I think I think he'll be fine. I, I think he's miles and miles more talented. I guess that didn't really make sense. I think he's a lot more talented than Casey Kenny. He is 35, which, uh, it's, uh, it's so sad to think of all the years and all the fights this guy could have had, if not for injuries. I'm just happy to see him back and uh you know staying active i don't know if he has it in him to work his way back to a, a title fight but he is uh, he is a legend of the sport he really is uh not only is he on the mount rushmore of the bantamweight division he might be the fucking head guy on, on uh on that mount rushmore so i don't know man when when you're like this you look at the treatment jose aldo has gotten in this division you look at the treatment that edgar's gotten in in this division Fuck, man, if he beats Casey Kenny and then beats, I don't know, anybody in the top 10, he could work his way back to a title. I just think he's he's a he's an awkward guy. Obviously, you know about the Dominic Cruz style. You know, his footwork is fucking brilliant. All of his movement is really awkward. I mean, look at how many Team Alpha Male people have lost to Dominic Cruz. It takes a while to figure out his style. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. I think that's going to be tricky to Kenny. Listen, I, I did like Casey Kenny before this fight. You know, I, I did think he was an underappreciated guy. You know, he, he's beaten some some pretty interesting guys. You know, Ray Borg, Manny Bermudez, who was a fucking featherweight at one point, Nathaniel Wood. So, you know, he really has earned his, his stripes, but I, I just think this might be a little bit too much too soon. Uh, I don't I don't know. Uh, Kenny, is, Kenny is a wrestler, so maybe he tries to take Cruz to the ground, but I think Cruz has some pretty good takedown defense. 
Don't really know how that's gonna that's gonna go for him. But I I see this one just Cruz uh, not getting hit a whole lot, beating him on the feet, and winning a unanimous decision victory. All right, we're gonna move on now to the main card. We got one, two, three, four, five fights here on the main card. Really, I'm surprised Cruz and Kenny's not on the main card. Would have figured they would would have tried to go. Uh, uh, a six-fight main card, which I believe they had a week ago, and then they did some shuffling around. So, you know, maybe some uh, uh, considerations made for TV. Or I don't, I don't really know how they decide who goes where. But uh, we'll start off here with the main card opener. It's going to be a light heavyweight bout between Tiago Santos and Alexander Rakic. Santos is 21 and eight. Rakic is 13 and two. We'll take a look at the odds here. They're going to have Rakic as the minus 160 favorite. We'll take a look at North Star Sports rankings. And we, if, I, if they would ever load, never, you know, never use a VPN. It just slows down your fucking internet so much. Uh, but we're going to have Santos at number two, Rakic at number four. So battle of two top five light heavyweights here. Uh, fuck, this, this one, honestly, I believe it might have been before it got shuffled. I think this is supposed to be a fight night main event. This, you know, this is this is a real treat here as as you know just the just the appetizer here for for the main card. Um it's tough. I, you know, I'm, I'm going to start off by saying I am going to pick Alexander Rakic, but fuck man, you never can count out Thiago Santos. I mean, we all know the performance of, of a lifetime that he had against John Jones. If, you know, all of his knee ligaments didn't decide to shatter at one time maybe he would have beat john jones i mean shit he was still in that fight definitely lost though for it so for anybody saying that he beat john jones you know just patently false but it was a hell of a performance i don't want to take anything away from the guy tremendous tremendous power in this guy's hands so he, he um you know he, he does have the great equalizer he does have the great equalizer rakic is going to be two inches taller two inches on the reach advantage uh you know Rakic does have some power some deceptive power uh I don't I don't really see him knocking out Santos that would be a pretty tall task uh if anything I I, I could see it being the other way around but you know Rakic's last performance now I know what I know what the locomotive thinks about Anthony Smith uh and it is not very nice it's not a very nice interpretation but what he did to Anthony Smith a guy who has had a title shot in this division uh, was utter domination. So I think, you know, Rakic is perfectly ready for this test. If he wins, he probably gets a title shot, man. He's right up there. Maybe one more win, but he is right up there. And uh, I thought he won that fight against Volkan. So really, I think he's undefeated in the UFC. Uh, I I think he's, uh, you know, kind of that next wave. Very, very athletic, very uh, explosive very explosive you know for really the last two years really from like 2018 to 2020 uh you know the light heavyweight division was just oh gross there's nobody here who is john jones gonna fight and then we start getting guys like rakic like brohaska you know dominic reyes emerges kind of see how that turned out you know blovich becomes champion uh well, exclude Blahovich from this because he's he's up there in age. But you know, we start seeing the next generation, some of these young, hungry light heavyweights. Uh, fuck, Megamed Ankalaev, you know, guys like this. This is a very fun division, 
you know, if, if people don't know about it, if they still think that this is a shallow division full of fucking, you know, old men, uh, it's really not, man. It's really flipped around uh, in, in a rather nice way, uh, you know, the last 12 to 18 months. And we're, and we're really seeing the fruits of those uh, labors the last six months. So, you know, Rakic, I think he's the real deal. I think he beats Santos. I think it's going to be a lot dirtier than his fight against Smith. That was so clean, so dominant. I don't know if you can take down Tiago Santos and, and grapple fuck him like he did Anthony Smith. I don't know if that's possible. We'll see how that knee holds up. We know that even if it doesn't, Tiago Santos is still going to be out there swinging that fucking hammer. But uh, I don't know. I, I believe... Maybe I'm just assuming because he's a fucking Brazilian in the UFC that he's probably a black belt in BJJ, so obviously he could hold his own on the ground. I don't think he's known uh, particularly as a, as a grappler, but you know, I, I just see I just see Rakic and his energy uh, beating Santos. Maybe Santos can kind of round the corner in certain respects because of his experience, but I think Rakic is going to be the real deal. Could totally be wrong on this one. This is going to be an interesting fight for the main card showdown. I can tell you that much because I think. A lot of people are going to be split 50-50 on this one. So, you know, maybe some 10-7s. A lot of 10-7s here to start off round number one of NSS 31 between Santos and Rakic. All right, we're going to move on here to a lightweight bout between Islam Makachev and Drew Dober. Makachev is 18-1. Drew Dober is 23-9. We'll take a look here at the odds they are going to have Islam Makachev is the minus 360 favorite. That's a pretty heavy favorite there. We'll get to a heavier favorite when we, when we get to the co-main event, but uh, one of the more heavier favorites on the card. Uh, we'll take a look at the North Star Sports rankings, which of course are the foremost foremost authority on rankings. Obviously not affiliated with the UFC in any way, so don't don't confuse this with official rankings. But uh, you know. My, my opinion matters, okay? Don't don't belittle me. My opinion matters. Um, Makachev is at number 14. Drew Dober, unfortunately, is not ranked because we had some people uh, come back to the lightweight division, like uh, RDA. We obviously had Michael Chandler come into the UFC, so that kind of forced down some, some guys. You know, Makachev, I think we had him at 11 at one point, but, you know... Listen, inactivity and and you know it's not his fault, but you know people come into the rankings if they if they're ahead of you, you know they're ahead of you. So Drew Dober, I will say this: he sh- he deserves to be ranked. He really does. He really does. He's on a, a nice little career resurgence, and I think he's trained and or lived in Minnesota at some point during his life, because I, re- I remember that being discussed on a UFC broadcast. So you got you got to love. Hey, if you you know. Listen, you know we're we're North Star Sports, so if you're from Minnesota, we're gonna we're gonna root for you. Um, this 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 is a tough one. I really 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 want to pick Drew Dober because uh, his his last handful of fights, I mean he, he's really turned it around. I mean knocks out Marco Polo Reyes at the UFC inf- the, the infamous UFC Minneapolis card. Jesus Christ, stumbling over my words here. So excited to talk about this uh, this main card. Knocks out Nasrat Hakparast, one of the uh, one of the more highly talked about prospects at 155, and then knocks out Alexander Hernandez, which uh, you know was was interesting considering the personality of 
Alexander Hernandez. So, you know, this is a step up in competition. I would say that he's he's taken on better opponents than uh, Hernandez. You know, he's lost to uh, Benil Dariush and, uh, you know, some guys like that. Um, he's only 32, so it's not, it's not like he's going to drop off. But, you know, it's a tall task going here against Islam. Like I said, 18-1. and one, He is on a six-fight winning streak. Although some of these... Some of these are a little interesting. So I thought he actually lost to Armand Sarukian. I know that a lot of people would disagree with me on that one. Even if you don't think he lost, that fight was definitely a lot closer than people expected. Of course, we found out how good of a fighter Armand Sarukian is. But the the thing with Makachev, and I don't want to call him a hype train. I, I really don't because he's had a lot of fights, you know, fall out. And like, so he, he had two fights fall out against RDA. If he beats RDA, people are talking about this dude as a legitimate title contender. So he, perhaps he's only a quote-unquote hype train just because he hasn't fought that guy, you know, in the rankings from, from you know, 5 to 10. Fuck, actually, really anybody in the rankings. I don't think he's ever beat a ranked opponent. So fuck it. I am going to go with Drew Dober to win this one. I don't know if that's going to be my main card showdown pick, but my official pick for this one is, fuck it, I'm going Drew Dober. He's going to pull off the upset. He's pulled off the upset in his last two fights, I believe. And uh, he, he's fought tougher opponents. He has more experience. He's been the more active guy. And I, I just, I don't buy 100% into the hype surrounding Islam Makachev. I think he's a very talented fighter, but I'd like to see it. I'd like to see it before I pick him. And, I, you know, I don't know, man. Drew Dober's lost, but he's lost to some good guys. So I, I think that the talent level is is up there for for Drew Dober, and uh, you know, fuck it. I, I I like picking I like picking the upset here. You know, it's not it's not very interesting if I pick Makachev, but I really I, I do really believe that Drew Dober's gonna win this one, and I think uh, I don't think it's legal for me to bet on this fight because I live in the state of Minnesota. But if I ever went down to you know. The, one of those uh, Ho Chunk casinos down there, right on the border at Iowa. I might, I might put a couple, uh, might put a couple of uh, dollars on uh, on Drew Dober to win this one. Uh, I, I, I think uh, you know he's he's got a deceptive amount of power. He lands a lot of significant strikes uh, per minute. Now the significant strike defense for Makachev is probably historically low. It's at 0.7 absorbed per minute but again i would say who is he fought who who is he fought certainly not really the the, the level of, of fighters that dober has fought so you know i'm gonna i'm gonna go with the doberman drew dober to win this one but uh we'll go uh by decision i don't know if he knocks him out that uh, probably it's probably a tall task all right now we're moving on here to the featured bout it's going to be for the ufc bantamweight championship of the world it's going to be between peter jan and aljamain sterling jan is 15 and 1 sterling is 19 and 3 we'll look at the odds here uh they will have peter jan as the minus 120 favorite um I'm gonna I'm gonna start off right away and and say I'm going with Peter Yan on this one. I know Aljamain Sterling is coming for that ass. He's coming for that ass, but um, I don't really get. There seems to be a little bit of disrespect with Peter Yan. I don't I don't quite understand it. Um, a lot of people don't think he's as good as he is. I don't I don't really understand. You know I I saw maybe uh, Ariel Helwani or somebody uh, had a had a post after Piotr Yan beat Jose Aldo and it was um 
how long do we think Piotr Jan's going to be champ? You know, and it, it had the different categories. I forget exactly what they were. You know, he loses in his next fight, or he's the champ for you know the next year, five years, or whatever. A lot of fucking people thought this guy was was not going to win his next fight, and um, I don't know. This guy's a really fucking dangerous striker. I don't like. I think he could be the champ for a long time. I don't think. I don't think he's just somebody who's the champ because he won the belt. I think he's the, he's the champ because he's the champ, and I, I really think he might hold it for a while. Obviously, obviously Sterling has a has a chance. I'm you know I'm not saying Jan's gonna go out there and dominate. This is probably his toughest test to date. But for anybody who thinks that he's just there because of circumstance, I I don't think so, man. I really do think right now at this moment, Piotr Jan is the best bantamweight, uh, you know, in, in the division. So, you know, what he did to Aldo, you know, eh, Aldo has had some losses, but. I don't know, man. When he's when he's just sitting on top of him in round five after kind of dominating that entire fight and just beating the shit out of him, uh, and, and the referee is just Yamasakiing it and 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 letting him, you know, take fifty strikes to the back of the head. Um, I don't know, man. It's hard. It's hard to think that Piotr Jan's uh, n- not that good of a fighter. So yeah, what was his was his path to the title a little expedited? Perhaps, perhaps, but fuck me man he beat John Dodson that dude fought for the title twice at flyweight John Dodson's a tough guy as well you know probably has uh the quickest footwork in the UFC he beat Jimmy Rivera I mean Jimmy poor Jimmy Rivera never gets an easy fight you know we saw his toughness last week against Pedro Munoz you know Rivera's a good fighter I I think that's a good win knocks out Faber maybe it's because he fought Faber and Faber you know I would say that the Rivera win is better than the Faber win in terms of, you know, where that person was in their career at that time. Obviously, if you knock somebody out, that's more impressive than a unanimous decision victory. But, you know, listen, this, this guy has put in his dues to some respect. And, uh, you know, I, I think he's there because he's the best. Now, for Sterling, I'm, I'm surprised he's getting the title shot. They've liked, you know, the UFC has liked to fuck over Sterling, uh, you know, with matchmaking. He's one of those guys where... You know, hey, you win five in a row and then you lose one fight and now we have an excuse to never give you anything ever again because you lost, shouldn't have lost. But, you know, he's one of those guys. He's almost, in a sense, I, I get similar vibes vibes to him uh, as I do from Dustin Poirier, where if you look at Dustin Poirier's record, now obviously it changes because he beat McGregor and you know became the interim champ and, and stuff like that. But when you looked at his record before the Khabib fight, or shit, before um, the Holloway fight, you're like, dude, he's like 20 and 4 in the UFC. Like, he has a lot of fucking wins. He just loses at the worst possible times right before he's, he, he's uh, you know, right when he's on the, the, the precipice of uh, getting a title shot. And I kind of feel the same way for, for Sterling. You know, he had that shitty split decision loss to Caraway, which, you know, is controversial. Caraway, interesting guy to follow through the throughout the the news cycle here. Split decision loss to Rafael Sunsau. That's probably the most underrated guy in the history of the bantamweight division. That guy is is a is a killer. Racks out two wins, gets knocked out by Marlon Marais, and then you know you kind of look at the the resume here for his five fight winning streak, dude. It's it's pretty fucking good. Brett Johns, underrated guy. Cody Stamen, he was seventeen and one at the time. Hit him with that. Uh, knee bar, I believe they call that uh, a Suluev stretch, win over Jimmy Rivera, that's a fucking tough one, win over Pedro Munoz, 
boy, that's a tough one. That's one of my favorite fighters in the UFC. And then obviously the quick win over Corey Sandhagen. So, you know, definitely, definitely earns it. It'll be interesting if Sterling can get the fight to the ground. We've really never seen uh, Piotr Jan. I don't, I don't really know if he's ever been taken down or, or he certainly hasn't been taken down for an extended period. So, you know, maybe that's a path to victory for Sterling. Maybe he catches him early like you did Sandhagen, you know, when you're uh, nice and dry. But I don't know. If, if the fight stays on the feet, I just have a really hard time believing Sterling's going to win this fight. You know, not to, not to diss his uh, his striking, but, you know, Piotr Jan's boxing is fucking elite. It is really, really good. He lands 5.6 significant strikes per minute. Now, Sterling's significant strikes per minute is less than that, but he only absorbs 1.94. Jan's is a little bit high at 3.1. You know, sometimes he gets into firefights, but, you know, Sterling Sterling's not somebody who's going to knock you out with one punch. So if if Jan has to take a few to land 10, you know, that's it's probably a, an equation that he's, he's okay with. Um... I don't know. I really see this one going to a decision, honestly. I, I know that's kind of tough to pick when it's five rounds. Um, but I think it probably goes to a decision, and I, I think Piotr Jan wins it. I just, I don't know, man. Piotr Jan's takedown defense is 87%. 87%. And Aljamain Sterling's takedown defense, or excuse me, takedown accuracy is 29%. That is really fucking low. Now, he... He, he attempts 1.89 per 15, but that is actually really low, and that kind of only further cements the uh, uh, the feeling that Piotr Jan's going to win this fight. So I, I am going to pick Piotr Jan. I'm going to go by unanimous decision. Again, I don't know if that's my main card showdown pick because I want to think about it. Maybe, maybe I could see him winning by TKO, but for now it's going to be unanimous decision victory for Russia's, really Siberia's, Peter Jan. All right, we're moving on here to the co-main event. It's going to be for the UFC featherweight, women's featherweight championship of the world. It's going to be between Amanda Nunes, the champ champ, and Megan Anderson. Nunes is 20 and 14. Megan Anderson is 10 and 4. We'll take a look here at the odds. Amanda Nunes is a slight favorite at uh, minus 1,200. Um, yeah, I, I don't like this fight. I don't think it's going to be a good one. I don't think Megan Anderson deserves this fight. I don't think she's done anything in the UFC. I think the 145 division for females is a sham. Uh, they have like four fighters signed under roster. Why not make a 155 for females so you can have another fake belt and, you know, bring in Kayla Harrison and have her just beat up random people off the street? Uh, I, I don't think it's a real division. I don't think it should exist. And I don't think Megan Anderson is that good of a fighter. She earned this title fight by losing to Holly Holm, winning over Kat Zingano by sticking her toe in her eyeball, and not, inten- not, and not intentionally, it's just how it happened, fluke fluke thing, but that, that fight lasted, you know, fucking not even a round because of a freak injury, so you can't even really say she beat Kat Zingano, you know, she just took a toe to the eyeball. Uh, losing to Felicia Spencer, getting choked out in round number one, so, stellar start to her UFC career here. She then chokes out Zara Farn, who nobody has ever heard of, doesn't deserve to be in the UFC, has done nothing in the UFC, and then knocks out Norma Dumont in her UFC debut when she was 4-0, again, had done nothing in the UFC. So, basically, 
she loses a handful of fights in the UFC and, you know, beats a couple of extremely low-level fighters making their UFC debut, and now she gets a title shot. Uh, I think she'll get knocked out in under 60 seconds. I don't... Listen, it was a great performance that Nunez had against Cyborg. I think if they run that fight 10 times, Nunez probably doesn't knock out Cyborg in under 60 seconds in nine of those other scenarios, but it happened. I think Nunez just walks her down and knocks her out. I don't think this will be any close. I think it's it's borderline malpractice. Borderline. I'm not going to, you know what I mean? I don't want to get in trouble. But, you know, I, I think it's borderline malpractice that, that uh, well, they're not a doctor either. Right? What, what, what would you call this? I don't know what you, I don't even know what you would call this. This makes no sense. You're taking someone who, who should be on, on in Invicta or in Bellator, a regional fighter who has done nothing and putting them against the greatest of all time, who is dangerous. Megan Anderson will be hurt in this fight. I would be, I would be pretty surprised, pretty surprised if this fight lasts longer than 60 seconds. I would be remarkably surprised if Megan Anderson survives outside of round one. I would say it would be a small miracle if she can make it to round three. And I, if Megan Anderson could make it to the final bell, I would say that would be the biggest miracle in the history of sports. In the history of sports. not Even even bigger than Buster Douglas beating Mike Tyson. Even bigger than fucking Lester or whatever winning the EPL or whatever the fuck. I don't follow soccer. Apparently that was a big deal. or I don't even know if they won it, but whatever. There's been a lot of miraculous stuff. Even bigger than Matt Serra beating GSP. If Megan Anderson not even could win the fight. Megan Anderson could get 50-30'd, but if Megan Anderson, Megan, just go by Megan, Megan, I'm Megan Anderson. If Megan Anderson could make it to the final bell and last 25 minutes with Amanda Nunes, I might just retire. That would be the most improbable thing in all of sports if she could if if, if she could pull that off. Even getting 10-8'd every single round, I, I, I think that this is insane, and it's going to be one hell of an easy victory for Amanda Nunes. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's all I have to say on that. That's, oh man, that's, that's just insane. I mean, at least, Hey, you know, at least the silver lining is it's not another Jermaine Durand to or Holly Holm title fight, but you know, don't worry. I'm sure we'll see Holly Holm or GDR get another crack of the title in 2022, you know, because we, we, we never get new fresh talent in these, in these divisions, but yeah, fuck, fuck me, man. I might just put a penny down on Megan Anderson to win this one because if Megan Anderson does somehow win, that penny's probably going to turn into ten thousand dollars. So you know, I might might be rich, might be able to buy a house if I just put twenty dollars on Megan Anderson. So yeah, I, I I will I will you know what I will watch this fight because it's not going to last long. But I'm not going to be happy about watching this fight because it uh, you know. I felt bad about watching the Curtis Blades and Derek Lewis fight, seeing another grown man weep and cry and moan uh, as he regains consciousness. I didn't feel good about that. You know, most of the times when I watch the UFC, I'm not, an, again, I'm not an idiot. I know that, you know, there's a lot, there, there's a very dark side to MMA, you know, people getting concussions and cyborg weight cutting and shit like that. But when I watched that fight with, with Curtis Blades, I didn't feel good about myself for having taken part in that. And I have a very strong feeling I won't, I will not feel very good about watching this co-main event. I really hope that Nunez just kind of chokes her out early on, and it's not, you know, a vicious KO, which is a distinct possibility. 
All right, we're going to move on here to the main event of the evening. It's going to be for the light heavyweight championship of the world between light heavyweight champion Jan Blahovich and middleweight champion Israel Adesanya. Blahovich is 27 and 8, Adesanya is 20 and 0. We'll take a look at the odds here. They're going to have Israel Adesanya as the minus 240 favorite. Um little disrespectful, a little bit disrespectful. I think it's an interesting strategy that Israel, uh, and a good one, a good strategy, that he's not trying to bulk up to 220 and then cut down from 220. Obviously, uh, you know, he's a, he's a skinny guy. He's a very skinny guy. He doesn't cut a whole lot of weight to get down to 185. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see what he weighs in at. Uh, I know he was talking about it weighing in at like 193. I think that's interesting because I would have to imagine Jan Bohovich, um probably cut some weight probably cut some weight so we might be dealing with somebody who on fight night weighs 193 pounds versus you know shit i don't know it's not like jan's you know what i mean it's not like jan is uh it's not like he's alonzo menafield or or you know some dude who's extremely yoked but i don't know it wouldn't it wouldn't be crazy to think that jan blahovich weighs in at like 220 225 so i mean like we could be talking talking about a really big difference and I think that difference really could manifest itself in two ways. Uh, power. Jan Blachowicz is a more powerful fighter than Israel Adesanya. I think that's just a fact. And if the fight ever goes to the ground, which again, Adesanya does have good takedown defense, but I don't I don't think it's an impossibility that Jan Blachowicz takes him down. So if Jan takes him down, dude, he's going to outweigh him by a lot. So, you know... I don't know. We I, I, we have to believe that Israel Adesanya has improved on the ground, and I don't doubt that he has. We just haven't seen it, uh, in large part because he's such a good fighter and his striking is so good, and he keeps distance and his takedown defense and all that. But point point being, in a professional fight, we have since the Rob Wilk or no since the uh, Marvin Vittori fight, we have not seen him get taken down, uh, or, or or at least held down. Maybe. You know, I don't, I don't want to speak out of turn. Maybe somebody has technically scored a takedown on him, but we haven't seen him on his back. So that's a real, that's a real question mark. I mean, if, dude, if you're getting outweighed by fucking 30 plus pounds, uh, I don't know, man. We, <laughs> that's going to factor in a little bit. Um, I, I'm going with Jan Blahovich. I think Jan Blahovich will win this fight. I think a lot of people are counting him out. I think a lot of uh, Israel fanboys. So really, you know, 13-year-olds on Reddit uh, think that Adesanya is going to knock him out in round number one. Uh, round number one. I, again, I don't think it's impossible that Israel wins. It's it's very possible, but um, and it's very possible that he knocks him out. I mean, Thiago Santos knocked out Blahovich in 2019. So you know, we've seen it happen. But I think this fight is going to be a lot closer than people think. Uh, I, I think Blahovich is. I really like Robert Whitaker, and I don't want to disrespect him, but I think this is the toughest test of Izzy's career going up against Blahovich. You know, maybe Whitaker's the better fighter. I would love to see that rematch at some point, but I think because uh, it's up at 205, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say that Jan is his toughest test. Dude, listen, Jan Blahovich as well. I, I get it. He never faced John Jones, and we went through the same damn thing with DC being champ and not facing John Jones or not taking the belt from John Jones and then you know 214 happened and and stuff like that but I I will say about Blahovich again I know he didn't face John Jones but if you think Leon Blahovich is just the champ because 
of circumstances, you're a fucking idiot. He is the best light heavyweight right now. And, you know, again, maybe Izzy is. But that's the whole point of having the fight. But Jan Blachowicz did not just stumble into a title, okay? Like, he is a legitimately very good fighter. I don't know how many performances in a row you have to see of him knocking out people to realize that, oh, yeah, maybe Jan is actually a good fighter. Maybe he's not just a fucking can who, you know, backed into a belt. No, 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 no. Had a tough stretch. Uh, probably was, was if he lost to Devin Clark, he probably was going to get cut, okay? And and goes on this crazy streak. His only loss was to uh, Tiago Santos. Okay, we know how good Tiago Santos is. Knocked out Luke Rockhold. Solid win. Beat Jacare. Knocked out Corey Anderson. Knocked out Dominic Reyes. Kicks like a mule. Has great power. Listen, he he's not the type of striker that Adesanya is. He's not long and flowy. And you know when he strikes, it doesn't look loose. You know he look when he strikes, he looks sometimes he looks a little tight. You know he doesn't look like a flexible guy. He's not doing flashy moves. But he's a he's a very good striker. I think he has a grappling advantage. Obviously, you're going to have to give the striking advantage for Adesanya, but I think he wins the power differential. And uh, I don't know, man. I don't think Adesanya is, is underestimating him, but I think Plahovic wins, and I don't know. Dare I say he knocks out Adesanya? I don't know. Maybe he wins by unanimous decision. I don't know if that's going to be my main card showdown pick, but I, I think uh, Blahovich wins this fight. I mean, how many upsets in a row do we have to see before we realize this guy is is the real deal? And it's a little interesting looking at the stats. I mean, they're tough to tell because, obviously, Blahovich has been in the UFC for a long time. And, you know, he had some stinkers. He had some losses early on. So I'd love to know what his stats look like the last five fights. I think that would actually be a more accurate representation of, you know, the, the current iteration of Jan Blahovich. But even throughout his entire career, he's really tough to hit. Only 2.77 significant strikes uh, significant strikes absorbed per minute. Adesanya's at 2.33, so there's really not that much of a difference between their defense. I mean, we think of Izzy as a great defensive fighter. Well, Jan's pretty fucking good as well. I mean, really, really statistically, uh, they're, they're very similar. The, the percentage is a little bit higher for, for Izzy, and he does land a little bit more frequently, but, you know, Jan, Jan is a tough fighter, and, and seriously, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to make it seem like he's Rumble fucking Johnson, but, you know, he, he does have the ability to put you out with one strike, and, uh, you know, I, I don't want to go down the, the rabbit hole with that cliche, because then we get into... Well, you know, Jairzinho, he could put you out with one one strike, but the strike never happens, and then Cyril Khan wins a dominant decision. But, um, no, I think this will be very good. I'm curious to see what happens. I mean, really, this this is probably the most... This is the most important fight of 2021 because it, the, the futures of two divisions really kind of lay in the balance here. I mean, there's no guarantee... I think he would. I think he would. But there's no guarantee Adesanya ever goes back down to middleweight. That's not a guarantee. And maybe he takes another fight at light heavyweight, so then maybe middleweight, you know, is on ice for a little bit. Um, you know, I, I think the future for Jan, if he loses, is less of a concern than two divisions being tied up in one belt. I mean, to be a double champ is impressive. It's cool. It's fun to see it happen. But it's, it's very bad news for both divisions because it what 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 double champ means is that uh yeah a lot of divisions are, are going to get put on ice because we have one person 
you know, God forbid, you know, Izzy tore his ACL or some shit. Obviously, they, you know, I guess in that case, they just do an interim. But, you know, it really holds up divisions. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm not against it. I'm not against it. But it, it really is bad for divisions. It's good for the fighter, but it is bad for divisions. You know, I, I think uh, the best case scenario, if you're a fighter in the middleweight or light heavyweight division, is Jan beats Izzy. Because then Jan just goes his separate way at light heavyweight and Izzy goes back down to middleweight and, you know, everything's kind of the status quo. But, you know, if Izzy wins, you know, that's that's tough. I don't think... I don't think the UFC would do this, but I would love to see it and I do not think you would have to have a belt on the line. I would love to see Izzy take on John Jones. If he wins, no belt on the line, catch weight, whatever the fuck you want to do. Or maybe John Jones just comes back down to light heavyweight and... I'll be very interested to see the call out for Izzy because I don't know what he's thinking. I don't. I have no idea what he's thinking for his next fight, but you'd, you'd be foolish to think he doesn't have a plan. But I, I would love to see it. Either way, I want to see him take on John Jones at some point. I, I think that might be the fight to make selfishly. I mean, that's really going to fuck over a lot of divisions if we do that. But selfishly, you know, if you want to have a massive pay-per-view, I think you do that. You put it down in New Zealand. Fuck it, maybe you put put it in Texas. I saw that uh, today they announced that uh, all businesses are going to go back to 100%. So, you know, maybe look for the UFC to, to go to Texas at some point here in the near future. I know that they're kind of itching to get fans back into the stands. But, you know, this is a very, very pivotal fight. Again, I'm going to go unanimous decision. You know what? Fuck it. Split decision. I don't normally do that, but I think it'll be a close fight. Split decision. Jan Blachowicz defends his light heavyweight title against Israel Adesanya, and I'm sticking to it. So with that, we'll wrap up here. Again, this was our recap of UFC 2, or excuse me, preview. Our preview. I'm not a, I'm not a fucking soothsayer. Uh, this was our preview of UFC 259, Blahovich versus Adesanya. Again, you can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely M and Northstar Sports on Twitter at Northstar M-I-N. Check out our website at northstarsports.media. Um, we'll probably have a show tomorrow, probably have a show on Friday. Don't know what it'll be about. We'll figure out something. But in the meantime, thanks for tuning in.